Chapter Thirteen, Part Two, of Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant, translator unknown. Chapter Thirteen madame de marelle part two duroy returned at four o'clock to await his mistress she was somewhat late because her husband had come home for a week she asked can you come to dinner to-morrow he will be delighted to see you no i dine at the walters we have a great many political and financial matters to talk over she took off her hat he pointed to a bag on the mantelpiece i bought you some sweetmeats she clapped her hands what a darling you are she took them tasted one and said mm, they are delicious i shall not leave one come sit down in the armchair i will sit at your feet and eat my bonbons he smiled as he saw her take the seat a short while since occupied by madame walter she too called him darling little one dearest and the words seemed to him sweet and caressing from her lips while from madame walter's they irritated and nauseated him suddenly he remembered the seventy thousand francs he was going to make and bluntly interrupting madame de marelle's chatter he said listen my darling i am going to entrust you with a message to your husband tell him from me to buy to-morrow ten thousand francs worth of moroccan stock which is at seventy-two and i predict that before three months are past he will have made eighty thousand francs tell him to maintain absolute silence tell him that the expedition to tangiers is decided upon and that the french government will guarantee the moroccan debt it is a state secret i am confiding to you remember she listened to him gravely and murmured thank you i will tell my husband this evening you may rely upon him he will not speak of it he can be depended upon there is no danger she had eaten all of her bonbons and began to toy with the buttons on his vest suddenly she drew a long hair out of the buttonhole and began to laugh see here is one of madeleine's hairs you are a faithful husband then growing serious she examined the scarcely perceptible thread more closely and said it is not madeleine's it is dark he smiled it probably belongs to the housemaid 
but she glanced at the vest with the care of a police inspector and found a second hair twisted around a second button then she saw a third and turning pale and trembling somewhat she exclaimed oh some woman has left hairs around all your buttons in surprise he stammered why you, you are mad she continued to unwind the hairs and cast them upon the floor with her woman's instinct she had divined their meaning and gasped in her anger ready to cry she loves you and she wished you to carry away with you something of hers oh you are a traitor she uttered a shrill nervous cry oh it is an old woman's hair here is a white one you have taken a fancy to an old woman now then you do not need me keep the other one she rose he attempted to detain her and stammered no clou you are absurd i do not know whose it is listen stay see stay but she repeated keep your old woman keep her have a chain made of her hair of her grey hair there is enough for that hastily she donned her hat and veil and when he attempted to touch her she struck him in the face and made her escape while he was stunned by the blow when he found that he was alone he cursed madame walter bathed his face and went out vowing vengeance that time he would not pardon no indeed he strolled to the boulevard and stopped at a jeweller's to look at a chronometer which he had wanted for some time and which would cost eighteen hundred francs he thought with joy if i make my seventy thousand francs i can pay for it and he began to dream of all the things he would do when he got the money first of all he would become a deputy then he would buy the chronometer then he would speculate on change and then and then he did not enter the office preferring to confer with madeleine before seeing walter again and writing his article he turned toward home he reached rue drouot when he paused he had forgotten to inquire for count de vaudrec who lived on chaussee d'antin he retraced his steps with a light heart thinking of a thousand things of the fortune he would make of that rascal of a laroche and of old walter he was not at all uneasy as to clotilde's anger knowing that she would soon forgive him when he asked the janitor of the house in which count de vaudrec lived how is monsieur de vaudrec i have heard that he has been ailing of late the man replied 
the count is very ill sir they think he will not live through the night the gout has reached his heart duroy was so startled that he did not know what to do vaudrec dying he stammered thanks i will call again unconscious of what he was saying he jumped into a cab and drove home his wife had returned he entered her room out of breath did you know vaudrec is dying she was reading a letter and turning to him asked what did you say i said that vaudrec is dying of an attack of gout then he added what shall you do she rose her face was livid she burst into tears and buried her face in her hands she remained standing shaken by sobs torn by anguish suddenly she conquered her grief and wiping her eyes said i am going to him do not worry about me i do not know what time i shall return do not expect me he replied very well go they shook hands and she left in such haste that she forgot her gloves georges after dining alone began to write his article he wrote it according to the minister's instructions hinting to the readers that the expedition to morocco would not take place he took it when completed to the office conversed several moments with m walter and set out again smoking with a light heart he knew not why his wife had not returned he retired and fell asleep toward midnight madeleine came home georges sat up in bed and asked well he had never seen her so pale and agitated she whispered he is dead ah and he told you nothing nothing he was unconscious when i arrived questions which he dared not ask arose to georges lips lie down and rest said he she disrobed hastily and slipped into bed he continued had he any relatives at his deathbed only a nephew ah did he often see that nephew they had not met for ten years had he other relatives no i believe not will that nephew be his heir i do not know was vaudrec very rich yes very do you know what he was worth no not exactly one or two millions perhaps he said no more she extinguished the light he could not sleep he looked upon madame walter's promised seventy thousand francs as very insignificant suddenly he thought he heard madeleine crying 
in order to insure himself he asked are you asleep no her voice was tearful and unsteady he continued i forgot to tell you that your minister has deceived us how he gave her a detailed account of the combination prepared by laroche and walter when he concluded she asked how did you know that he replied pardon me if i do not tell you you have your means of obtaining information into which i do not inquire i have mine which i desire to keep i can vouch at any rate for the truth of my statements she muttered it may be possible i suspected that they were doing something without our knowledge as she spoke georges drew near her she paid no heed to his proximity however and turning toward the wall he closed his eyes and fell asleep end of chapter 13 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey